So Adam Felber, is it fair to say that your new book is your King Lear written during the plague? Yes. Yes, it's my King Lear. Just um, spell it with two E's, I guess. It, it's King Lear. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 16th year, number 784, Adam Felber, Memoirist. Improviser, novelist, TV writer, podcast host, panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and now memoirist Adam Felber is the co-author with Charles Band of Confessions of a Puppet Master, a Hollywood memoir of ghouls, guts, and gonzo filmmaking, which has just been published and is the perfect holiday gift for the outlandish storyteller in your life. I've known Adam since he and my wife Dee Ryan and our friend Michael Bernard were part of Improv Boston back in the late 1980s, so it's always a real treat to catch up with him. A note to our affiliates, this conversation will probably go all over the place. Like every conscientious uh, podcast host, I do try to read everything that I'm interviewing an author about, but of course I've only seen the cover of this. What's the elevator pitch for your book? Oh my God. I co-wrote the memoir of a Hollywood B-movie legend whose life is even more bizarre than his movies. How did you even get this gig? Uh, it was, everything about this job was weird. Uh, around the time the pandemic was starting, I got a call from my book agent who I've not, you know, I stay in touch with him, but I haven't written a book in over a decade. Um, and he told me that HarperCollins wanted to uh, buy this book, buy this, this memoir of this Hollywood B-movie guy. Um, and that... They had informed him that that he is not a writer, a, a fact that he knew and that he needed to get one. Uh, and I guess my my book agent handed him a stack of books of which my novel was one. And him and his ex-wife decided that Adam Felber, the guy who wrote Schrodinger's Ball, a novel, for some reason was the best possible memoirist Duh. for Charles Band. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing I know, I was on the phone with the guy. That's fantastic. And what made it, I mean, it's a great title, Confessions of a Puppet Master, which sounds like he's got his own island somewhere. He does. Whoa. Not really, no. No, no. but he lives on his own little island. When you read the book, you'll see. He he did have a castle at one point. Wow. I'm, I'm intrigued already. And of course, I'm always intrigued if it's got uh, sort of your name and your spin and your point of view on it, because you're, you are so smart and so funny. Um, uh, and you know how to tell a story. I always marvel when I listen to you on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And, and, and are you, do you make up these stories or are you about to blow my mind and tell me that they're, you've scripted them out and you just deliver them improvisationally? Uh, on wait wait don't tell uh, you mean the uh, the the bluff stories and the uh, the bluff the listener game? No, I know those are I know those are written. Okay. Yeah. No, just like you'll just launch into a long joke where it's a great it's always a great joke and it seems totally improvisational and it may well be, but your it sense is. of structure and your ability to get it out of your face without stumbling in an improvisational <laughs> moment is astounding. Oh, thanks, man. But well, you know, you know, I've uh, as you know very well, I had many 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 years of improv training. 
that went in. And a lot of that, some of that at least was storytelling. So I, I think I channel a lot of that on Wait, Wait, for sure. I'm sure. Well, and that's got to that's got to enter into your writing. I mean, in improv, you're writing by the seat of your pants. But when you actually sit down on your the seat of your pants and you're <laughs> you're, you're writing, it's still improv, but you're just typing it out. Yes. Yes. This this new project, a little less so it was less of a jam and more of a more of a I, you know, I was I was telling the story of a guy's life in his words or from his words, I guess, more more likely. Um, but when I wrote my novel, um, it was literally improv. I would sit there in my chair and every time I finished a page on the screen, I'd go back and read that page. And if I wasn't entertained, I would delete it, which is why the novel is so frenetically paced. I think always a good thing in a novel, as far as I'm concerned, if a novel, (laughs) if a novel or film is ever described to me as a tone poem, I have zero interest. (laughs) Me too. What um so you were so so in this memoir that you yeah. have co-written this mm-hmm. other guy's memoir are you writing in your voice or his? I am attempting to write in his voice, with my eye for structure, jokes, detail. You know, um, I would talk to him every Saturday morning. This was my this was my pandemic project. Okay. On Saturday morning, I'd get on the phone to him with him and we would talk for about an hour and a half. I would record it, but I rarely had to refer to recordings. I would take notes. And then during that ensuing week, I would write a chapter because I work very fast. And then I am given the chapter at the end of the week. Great. Oh my God. Yeah. So what did you do with the other 17 months of your pandemic? <laughs> well, there was writing, there was rewriting. There was, uh, you know, my podcast with Paula Poundstone. I do it every week. But this is your second or third podcast with Paula Poundstone, right? We we started one called Live from the Poundstone Institute, which we mainly talked to scientists or looked at scientific studies. We talked to comedians, too. Um, and we did it in front of a live audience, and NPR produced it. And it was just kind of – it was a little bit of a behemoth. We had a great time, but getting an audience and a guest into a room every week – we did about, I think, 10 episodes of that, and then we uh, struck out on our own to do something a little more uh, sustainable. And 175 yeah. episodes later, it's definitely sustainable. Good, good. Well, this uh, this uh, this conversation will probably be episode 782 for me. I love that. And you're going strong still. Hey, I have a new podcast coming out, man. Yes. Yeah, it's called. You know, all the uh, kids are doing it now. All the kids are doing the podcasts. Absolutely, I do tons. Um, but this one is completely my baby. It's called Dad Band Land. I have a dad band in my neighborhood. Do you, have you ever been in a dad band? I've never been in a dad band. It's I mean, unless you call now. unless you call the Reduce Shakespeare Company a dad band. Uh, you know, at a certain point, it becomes that, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> particularly the way no. we play. No, you guys. Uh, you guys have you know have artistic output. What a dad band does is, you know. We play cover tunes. We're guys who still want to play music, and we all meet and we've all met in the neighborhood. By the time I started the podcast, we actually played some bar gigs. But it's really just an excuse for a bunch of friends to get together and talk about music. Uh, so, like a tiny fraction of it will be talking about playing an actual cover song, yeah. but most of it will be arguing about music. God, you've got your 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 fingers and your microphone in so many pies. Yeah, you got to keep busy. I know your career has not gone the way you expected it to because nobody's does. Right. How has your career progressed in ways that you have found instructive and you think might help others? Um, wow. 
Well, I think one thing to understand is that there's never an end point, right? You know, there's never a, now I've done it. Now I've made it. And this is what I'm going to do from now on. I win showbiz. (laughs) Right, exactly. Everything ends. So like when I got, when, when, when my wife and I moved out to LA, um, it was because I'd gotten a head writer job on a new TV show and it was going to be stripped, uh, during the day, which means Monday to Friday. And we were driving across country when it was canceled before ever airing. (laughs) But uh, to turn it into a more happy story, you know, there were a lot of things in LA I wanted to staff on. And my number one choice back then, like, yeah, what we were talking about, I guess, in 2004 or five was, wouldn't it be great to be staffed on real time with Bill Maher? Hmm. So two or three years later, when I got that job, that would seem like an end point, right? Yeah. But I'm done with that now, and I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> you have survived, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I've survived, but also there's more to do. Right, that isn't the end of showbiz. That's not- No, not the end of showbiz. In fact, by the time I'd been there for like uh, five or six years, I ended up doing it for 11 years. But by the five or six year mark, I was restless. There was other things I wanted to write and other things I wanted to do. There's no such thing as a dream job that stays, at least not in my experience. And do you find, do you wish that you could do just one thing, just improvise or just write or just act? Or does all of it feed all of it? Well, you know the answer to that one, man. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know you well enough to know that yeah. you got to keep doing all of it. You got to perform, you got to write, you got to play music like I'm doing. Yeah. It all it all feeds into each other and when you you know, in fact, that's why I one of the reasons why I started uh this dad band podcast is because once I started jamming with local dads, <laughs> I started realizing, oh, there's a missing component to my life. I don't direct improv musicals anymore, so I don't really make music as part of my weekly existence anymore, and that was really missing. Hey, it's Peter Sagal, the host of NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Don't worry, you haven't accidentally turned on my show. You are listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We are still the remote Shakespeare company, but variance and equity protocols permitting our first performances back will be in Michigan next month in January of 2022. You can find all of our upcoming performance dates at our website, reducedshakespeare.com, and you can send any questions or suggestions via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. And now back to my conversation with Adam Felber, the co-author of Charles Band's memoir, Confessions of a Puppet Master, a Hollywood memoir of ghouls, guts, and gonzo filmmaking. Can you identify ways in which your new book uh, is uh, poisoned or corrupted by the fact that it was written during a pandemic? Will scholars 400 years from now go, oh, obviously you can tell the impact that the pandemic had on the writing of this fabulous memoir that we're still reading 400 years later? Um, in a very obvious obvious sense, you won't need a, uh, a, a, a historian for this because the first chapter before we flash back to the rest of my my co-author's life, Charles Band is his name, by the way, um, is about the frenetic process as the pandemic started to descend of him producing, directing, and putting out in 28 days the feature film Corona Zombies. It's amazing. Here's the thing. He, he um, Charlie grew up 
largely in Italy. You know, Italy got hit with the coronavirus hard first, so he knew it was coming here. Yeah. So as an exploitation filmmaker, what they do is they exploit the moment. He yeah. was like, I need a movie about this, and I need a movie I can make while we're all locked down, because he knew a lockdown was coming. Yeah. So he did one day of principal photography as a framing device for this crappy um, Italian zombie movie that he licensed. And he basically gave that the what's up Tiger Lily treatment, let voice artists record them from their own homes. So it was only one day of principal photography and it was literally on the first day of the lockdown in LA. Wow. Yeah. When my book agent hooked me up with this guy, he got on the phone with me and a torrent of lies poured out of his mouth. Um, I've made 350 movies. I gave Helen Hunt and Demi Moore and Bill Maher their first starring roles. I had an affair with one of them. My dad, my first babysitter was Marilyn Monroe because my dad discovered her as John Huston's uh, AD on Asphalt Jungle. And my reason my dad was in Hollywood was because my granddad was a famous French artist who happened to be sitting in the Oval Office carving a bust or sculpting a bust of FDR when the Nazis raided his Paris atelier. And his friends told him there was nothing to come back to, but FDR offered to settle my dad and his family in the United States and they chose Hollywood. Uh, my granddad and his family in the United States and they chose Hollywood. And on and on. And then it was, I accidentally um, bought the biggest castle in Umbria in Italy for almost nothing. And speaking of buying something for nothing, I bought and ran Dino De Laurentiis's Italian Roman movie studio for no money down for three years before it was stolen from me. And on and on and on. And Austin, every single thing he told me turned out to be true. There was Whoa. not a lie in the bunch. Wow. I was just, I was just going to say, boy, a bullshitter knows a bullshitter, but no, he doesn't. He, I didn't. I thought he was lying. I was going to write the book anyway, mind you, because I was like, this is just so entertaining. But, you know, you know, he, over time, he would show me pictures. I would talk to people and, you know, I wasn't, wasn't my job to be a reporter, but it all turned out to be true. And amazing. Just the stories are amazing. Isn't that interesting that your the jobs you get now, one gets now, use every single bit of your expertise accumulated along the way. Nothing is wasted. It all gets brought to bear in whatever project you're working on, whether it be dad bands or, or, or new memoirs. It's amazing, isn't it? It's, 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 it's good to have the experience under your belt so that you can, so you don't feel like you're taking on something too intimidating. You know, you've got the resources somewhere within you. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing in about 60 seconds, so stick around. You can find Adam Felber and Charles Band's memoir, Confessions of a Puppet Master, a Hollywood memoir of ghouls, guts, and gonzo filmmaking wherever you get your reading material. Then send us your outlandish true stories via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. Or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com, or visit my website, theshakespeareans.com. Thanks, as always, to Gonzo Quarantine Clown Comedy Class Constructor Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Todd Denick. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Peter Sagal, the host of the quiz show Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on National Public Radio, which is also a fantastic must-to-listen podcast. 
And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, get vaccinated, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 784-2350 of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. I'm in my 50s now. Get out. And there's, it's true. And there's all this thought, you know, everybody thinks like, can you still be funny in your 50s and 60s? And Terry Pratchett wrote funny books from the time he was in his 30s until uh, he died tragically young in his mid 60s of uh, early onset Alzheimer's. But yeah. almost until the day he couldn't like pick up a, you know, pick up his fingers to write something anymore. He wrote hysterically funny stuff. Yeah, no, you either got it or you ain't. And you, there's no uh, there's no greater evidence that you've stopped being funny if you start complaining about how people won't let you be funny anymore. That's right. You can find a way to be funny, you know? Yeah. Right, yes. If people aren't laughing at your jokes, write better jokes. Absolutely. Well put. <laughs> this podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.